Here's a surprising fact. The number one reason that people go to the doctor are symptoms of a cold, just the cold. The number two reason that people go to the doctor is because of pain. Yet a significant percentage of the people that go to the doctor get a wrong diagnosis, and then in turn, they get treated improperly. That means hundreds of thousands of people each year are spending money and they're putting themselves at risk, and yet they're not solving the problems. Meanwhile, the solution for a vast majority of these people are simple exercises that you can do at home and they cost you nothing. There are five muscles in particular that are the core, the key element to most of this pain. If you strengthen those, you'll be pain-free. Listen now. I'm Sarah Heiner. This is the Bottom Line Advocator Podcast. Don't forget, please rate and review us because that's how more people learn about us. And then we have more people that are pain-free. Hey there, gang. How are you? Happy Thursday afternoon. I am so glad to see everybody as I sit there and think about what do I have to say to you? What did I have to say from last week? What, do, what is the message of the day? Um, I'm very excited about today because there's an awful lot of people that have a whole lot of pain and we're spending a lot of money getting things diagnosed and treated. And guess what? It's not working. Back pain in particular, surgery, MRIs, treatments, medications, 70, over, over 75% of it doesn't work. They've studied it. They've done research. It doesn't work. And yet we keep doing the same thing. Well, let's stop that cycle today. So stick with me. We're going to talk about the five key places in our body where we have tightness and where that pain is centered and how you can solve that. Um, anyway, I'm Sarah Heiner and welcome. I'm so glad that you're here with me. Just a reminder, we've been doing this about every week, generally on Thursdays. Next week, actually, we're Wednesday afternoon. So watch watch your, your feeds on Bottom Line, um, on the Bottom Line Facebook page. But we do have a library of all of this in the bottom line page. You'll see all the videos are here, or you can go to YouTube if that's easier. We put them all in YouTube. So go check out what we have there. We've got hundreds of other videos as well of all sorts of experts that I've interviewed over the time. So go on there, share these, tell your friends about it. We have great, great, great information. Um, also in the feed, there's going to be, we put together a pain-free download with a lot of expert information, of top, top information from some of our top experts about all sorts of pain. We're gonna to talk today about muscle and joint pain um, and overall body pain, but there's all sorts of other pain issues that people have. Um, and so we've got a great download. So we'll put a link into the, um, the Facebook, the chat box so that you can go and download that totally free, no strings attached. I just really love sharing with, us, with you the information to help you be healthy and strong. Um, and what other, there's one other thing I was going to tell you. Oh, if you have questions, Dr. Mitchell Yass is with me. He loves getting questions, <laughs> he loves hearing from people about, but wait a second, my elbow hurts. What about that? So if you have a question while we're talking, put it on in the chat box and someone will pass it along to me and my very high tech, they text me, I look down and then I will eventually answer the question for you. Um, so be sure to do that as well. And I think that's it. With that, let me introduce Dr. Mitchell Yass. Let me bring him on. Hello, my friend. Hi, Sarah. How are we doing this afternoon? I am good. You with your very official skeletal, muscular skeletal pictures behind you. <laughs> Far more interesting. Excellent reference. <laughs> that's much better. I just have my black satchel <laughs> behind me. And all my family Christmas cards for the last, I think, 15 years or so were just lined up along the wall back there. That's awesome. I know, right? All right, so let me tell everybody how awesome you are, because um, I know how awesome you are. Um, anyway, Dr. Mitch Yass is a doctor of physical therapy. He's the creator of the Yass Method, which uniquely diagnoses and treats the... Sorry, I just got distracted making sure I was recording. I am recording. Okay, good. 
Um, anyway, Mitch is the creator of the YAS method, which uniquely diagnoses and treats the cause of chronic pain throughout the interpretation of the body's presentation of symptoms. So, again, so he's going to explain exactly what all that was, but basically he, he diagnoses in a way that nobody else does. No orthopedists, no physical therapists. He's looking at your body and understanding the connection between the pain and your body in a unique way. Um, he's the author of three books, including Pain Cure Rx and the YAS Method for Pain-Free Movement. And he has proudly stopped thousands of people from getting unnecessary surgeries, resolving pain for thousands of others who've had surgery and that did not fix their pain. And that's what this is all about today. You can learn more about him at mitchellyast.com. You should follow him on Facebook, although we couldn't figure out, we'll Google him and we'll find him. Um, actually, uh, Lauren, who's with me, check it out, see if you can find him and tag him so that people can see how to find him on Facebook. Um, anyway, so, hello. All right, so Mitch, high level most basic we're going to get to so as we go we're going to talk about the challenges what's not working in the system and then at the end of this you're going to actually demonstrate the exercise we're going to talk about these five key points where people um where the key pain points for people the imbalances and then you'll demonstrate the exercises for people so everybody should stick around so you can see exactly what to do to offset those those um challenges um so high level talk about the fallacy of diagnosis because people love their doctors. They trust their doctors. They've all, you know, I see people on Facebook all the time. I have a knee problem. I need a recommendation. And yet so much of it is not, they're, they're, they're not diagnosing it effectively. So high level, give me the bitch ass statement. So the first thing to understand is that no one is trying to question the integrity, the desire of any doctor who's trying to help you. It has nothing to do with the individual. It is a systemic deficit, which primarily relates to the fact that the primary mechanism for diagnosing the cause of pain, I think everyone would acknowledge this, is getting an x-ray or MRI. And so regardless of where your pain is, your shoulder, your knee, your hip, your back, your neck, you get an MRI, it finds a structural variation, a herniated disc, stenosis, arthritis, a meniscal tear. Since it's identified for the first time, at the time you're having your pain, it is asserted to be the cause of your pain. Everyone must agree that that's the premise. The problem yeah. with that, yes. And Mitch, they're doing that because that's how they're trained, that the doctors have become very test focused. For 40 years, right. the MRI has been perceived to be the gold standard. And due to reductions in fees and everything else, there's even less time that you can have with the doctor. So for the numbers of people I've treated, they'll tell me I'm with my doctor less than two minutes, just long enough for him to say, where's your pain? Okay, here's your prescription for the MRI. Now go get the MRI. When you get the results, we'll talk. And then and do a couple of quick stats in terms of the ineffectiveness of this. I mean, there was the back surgery um, research that you quoted in your book. Sure, sure. So basically, the indications that this is failing is the fact that in 1994, they started to do the first studies on people who had no back pain. And they established that 70% or greater have herniated or bulging discs. So these are people who have no back pain, and they have 70% have bulging or herniated discs. Over the age of 60, people with no back pain 90% are found to have bulging or degenerative discs. Now, for many older people, degenerative disc disease is the diagnosis given when they're having back pain. But if you knew 
that 90, greater than 90% of people with no pain have degenerative disc disease, then how could you possibly assert it is the cause of your pain? Yes. The more logical understanding or explanation is that a tissue adjacent is eliciting the pain and your degenerative disease, just like the people who don't have pain, isn't eliciting your pain. It's a, a tissue adjacent to it. So that's all that's happening. But because say, for instance, it's a muscle, it cannot be identified by diagnostic test. You're going to get the positive finding that is identified. And that is described as the cause due to an assertion that since it's found while you're having pain, it is the cause that's known as correlative th theory or junk science. It is actually perceived that way. And that's happening for back. It's happening for hips. It's happening for all joints. Everywhere. So some fascinating studies. Study shows of people who have no hip region pain, no hip region pain, 75% have some sort of structural variation like a labral tear or arthritis. In the knee, of those people who have knee pain, 63% are found to have a meniscal tear. Of the people who have no knee pain whatsoever, 60% are found to have meniscal tears. So someone goes into the doctor. So let's so now those people have no pain. They were part of a study. Yes. Now I've got pain. I have pain in my knee or whatever. And right. I'm going in and they're saying, go get an MRI. So right. I see that I've got a tear and they say, aha, that's it. Right. Right. So, right. so you have to understand, let's say you're one of those people. You were found to have stenosis in your lumbar spine. You had no pain. Then you came to me and I felt compelled to hit you with a baseball bat. That's going to cause pain. You're going to go, you're going to get an MRI. They're going to find that stenosis. They're going to say, oh, it was the stenosis causing your pain. Right. You have to acknowledge it couldn't have been the stenosis. You knew you had the stenosis without pain. It's clearly the baseball bat hitting you. But because the attempt is so across the board, a correlation between structural variations identified on x-rays and MRIs and the relationship to the fact you have pain at that time, they have no choice but to identify that as the cause. It's the way they're educated and trained. And what's happening though? So then someone goes, they get surgery, they get a cortisone shot, they get drugs and they're on, are they just going forever? Are they going from expert to expert to expert and just yeah. facing the solution until they find you? Yes, yeah, uh, unfortunately, yeah. That's the sad part about my situation is that I'm always described as the last resort. Many people have decided not to get the surgery because of the horrific results that have been identified. Um, unfortunately, I treated a lot of people who have gotten not only one, but multiple surgeries, and they are just absolutely desperate. They usually go online, Google, and eventually through one of my YouTube videos or some information I put out, they find out about me and they see that I'm actually outside the medical system, that I interpret your body's presentation of symptoms. I'm actually listening to your body. I'm trying to understand what your symptoms are presenting because guess what? Those symptoms are being elicited by the very tissue in distress. So you can interpret the symptoms to identify the tissue. That's what I do and I found in 98% of cases the cause is actually muscular. So it's actually not gonna be surgery, it's not gonna be shots, it's not gonna be anything other than targeted progressive resistance exercise that will resolve your symptoms. And this is, I'll call it not, this is outside of injury, outside of I was playing, could it, what does this include even if I was playing pickup basketball and suddenly the next day I was sore and pain, but would that include like if I had an imbalance that it could, it could do sure. it or is this just, I'll call it degenerative, life happens pain. I'm trying yeah. to think that people understand because everybody's sitting there going, wait, my shoulder this, my this, this. like 
who this applies to. It applies. To, so let's be let's be clear. Yes, I do treat lots of people who are chronic in their pain, but it doesn't just represent that. It represents even an acute situation. Every tissue will elicit a very specific symptom. So I'll give you a really classic example. This guy is on a train. He steps off the train to get on a platform. Suddenly he gets massive jaw-dropping pain in his knee. He goes to the doctor. The guy gets an MRI and it says that he's bone on bone on his knee and he needs a knee replacement. Somebody tells him about me and I see him. It's only weeks after this. And I'm able to interpret his body's presentation of symptoms. His pain isn't even at the joint line where it would have to be for that bone on bone to create symptoms. It's actually at the attachment of his hamstring. Right. Well, okay. Think of the logic. The guy got off. He stepped awkwardly and he strained his hamstring. Right. I I resolved his muscular deficit. Pain was gone inside of two, three treatments. Wow. Okay. So let's do high level. Yes. Yes. The YAS method, the YAS method in the elevator pitch between now and the ninth floor. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what the YAS method is, it's a diagnostic and treatment model. It's very important to understand this. This is not something where you're getting your diagnosis and you're looking for another treatment like the medical system promotes. This is a diagnostic model. No diagnostic testing. Every tissue, you just have to start with pain is an indication of a tissue in distress the body's good. The tissue is going to elicit that pain as a way of trying to create awareness of the distress. You got to create an intervention to resolve the distress of the tissue and your pain ceases. My method allows me to interpret the body's presentation of symptoms to identify what tissues in distress. If it is structural, I'll be the first to tell you and you will need surgery, but that's less than 2% of all the people in pain, roughly 1 billion people worldwide. So if it is muscular, then we're going to just use targeted strength training and you're going to resolve your pain quickly and return you to full function. So talk about the concept of balance, because that is, you know, so, so core to all of this, that the muscles, it's not like there's a muscle pain, but it's because of this out of balanceness of it. Right. So if you want to understand what's causing most people's pain, it's quite simply the idea you live in a gravitational environment. Forces are being applied to you. It's being pushed down. So anytime you're going to try to do anything, you're going to have to fight against gravitational forces. Muscles have to create a force to push against it. Now, basically, you you do stuff in front of you. So you walk in front of you. You go up and down in stairs in front of you. You sit down and stand up in front of you. So if we're looking at the thigh, there's going to be a high propensity for the front thigh muscle, the quad, to end up being stronger than the back thigh muscle. If this develops enough, that front thigh muscle is going to shorten. It's attached to the kneecap and the pelvis. It can either pull the pelvis down excessively, causing excessive arching of the lower back, which will lead to lower back pain, or it can pull excessively up on the kneecap, causing the kneecap to be compressed when you walk. And so that simple imbalance between quads and hamstrings could lead to knee pain, back pain, or strangely enough, even both. So that's the idea of the concept of we want strength and balance of all our muscles so that our alignment of our joints allows our muscles to work optimally against the forces of gravity so we can do our activities without straining. That's what we're looking for. So let me ask you this though, when I walk upstairs or when I walk forward, I mean, I'm using my quad when I go upstairs. I'm also using my butt muscle though. Um, so So that even just in general, our lives, we're not using all those muscles or is a lot of it like, I think you've said to me, we're going forward and back. So all the, all the stabilizing side 
stuff doesn't really get worked as much. Well, um, so you are pointing out that, yeah, so you're actually pointing out another important point. Function requires groups of muscles to perform them. You are correct that when you are going up the, sta uh, up the stairs, your butt muscle does have to correct, uh, contract mm -hmm. to create your torso so it stays over your legs, right? Your hip muscles have to stabilize your pelvis so that the muscle, the quads can pull off of it. You got that. That's true. So here's the question. If you end up straining a muscle, how do you identify that while trying to go through your daily activity? You don't. You know what happens? Your body compensates for that weakness. And you do that walking in a different way. You do that standing in a different way. And that compensation eventually leads to muscles working in a way they shouldn't. That's when you get your pain. So then if in fact that pain's coming from a weak muscle, who's going to identify that for you? The orthopedic surgeon who knows nothing about about muscle, he only knows structure. The physical therapist who's simply treating you based on the diagnosis from the referring physician. You got to get an evaluation that will allow you to interpret the body's presentation. Are you limping? Do you have an altered posture? Where is your pain? All these things can help you recognize which muscle is actually associated with your dysfunction and pain. Correct that weakness or imbalance that's there. Pain-free, fully functional. So, and it's fascinating. Give a couple examples of, you know, that it's not like the pain. You said something before about the person with the, the pain behind his knee, but it really started someplace else that, and in fact, some of it, the, the root imbalance is really far away from where that pain is. Yeah. All right, I'm going to give you the farthest. Yeah. We'll do the farthest, farthest away one. Plantar fasciitis, pain under the foot, right? A lot of people are getting this pain under the foot. The cause of pain under the foot, if you're having it on one foot, is this muscle right here. This is all the way up at your pelvis. This is your pelvis right here. This is called the gluteus medius muscle. This muscle, when it contracts, helps you to weight bear through the midline of your foot. That's what it does when you're standing on it. But if it gets weak, your knee will start to move in and you'll end up weight bearing on the inside of the foot. People talk about getting a flattened arch. That flattened arch is occurring because this is weak. When that arch flattens, the distance between the balls of the feet and the heel separates because you're losing your arch. The plantar fascia attaches from the heel to the balls of the feet. If you overstretch it, it's going to elicit pain at its attachment. So plantar fasciitis, you'll never fix that. I don't care if you put in an orthotic or get a cortisone shot. You don't fix this right here. You don't resolve plantar fasciitis in the long term. That's the mega distance, the farthest distance away any muscle can create pain somewhere in the body. So our... Are humans inherently out of balance or is it our life that puts us out of balance? Acknowledging that also some people, you know, they have their, their if they weren't, like everyone has their skeletal imperfections, right? They either, they might've, you know, went through the birth canal funny or whatever. It's like, we've all, we're not perfectly symmetrical. Right. You know, theoretically, should we, should we be like, is it, should we be pain-free? Like, should our bodies work right? Or it, so that is it, I'm trying to get at, is it our choices, our lifestyle choices, life happens, run up the steps kind of stuff. Um, or, or is it, you know, inherent, like we all will get pain at some point because oh just like they say that humans shouldn't really be upright, right? That this is such a good question. This is like, I, I people who are hearing this, they're going to get their minds blown right now. It's not the imbalances that are causing pain. So in the history of mankind, along the all the periods of time in history, has there ever been chronic pain? The answer is no. 
Not during Greek period, Roman period, the depression, nothing. Only now, and it's been since the 1980s and 90s. What changed in the 1980s and 90s? One word, technology, technology, automation, things that are making things so simple for us that we're not using our bodies as much as we used to. So you're developing inherent weaknesses. So when you then go on and try to do stuff, those natural mild imbalances will actually show up greater in your lack of performance and lead to pain. The reason for chronic pain today versus any other period of time in the history of mankind is the fact we just don't use our bodies as much. And there are certain things that are required. Remember, you still have the same gravitational force throughout the history of mankind. It's that we're not able to adapt to it as well. A quick little example of this, I had a 21-year-old girl who told me her head felt like a bobblehead, a bobblehead. She's 21 years old. She's so used to having her head down in her computer. Once you put that head down, that's a load that shouldn't be there. That head has to be supported by your spine, but it isn't supported by your spine anymore because now it's in front of it. Those muscles that have to support it, which are right here, well, you're creating a load they weren't designed to take, so they're going to strain, right? So if she wants it, the answer is, and this is the foolish answer, well, tell her to use an upright computer. Or, yeah. <laughs> Text like this. Right. I mean, it's just, that, that's well, let's condition ourselves. It's never the activity. It's the inability to perform the activity that needs to be addressed. So all I did was I strengthened a couple of key muscles in here, pain gone. She never felt like a bobblehead anymore, and she's able to go on with her life. But the scary part is, remember, that's 21. Pain, chronic pain runs along all ages now. And we're those, those muscles, we're going to talk about those. Those are part I'm of- I'm going to show you how to do the exercise for this right here and right here. These so, are the key muscles. Right. So everyone with that head and tech neck and all of that, we're going to get to that. Absolutely. That piece of it. Um, I was just going to ask you something, and it totally flew out of mind. I got distracted by that, that piece of it. Um, it's gone. All right. So I'm going to ask you this and yeah. then I might circle back when it, when it's okay. my head, um, the, when somebody, if somebody has pain, um, what does it feel like? Like, how do they know that it's muscular imbalance pain versus arthritis, you know, bone on bone arthritis may be a little bit simpler, but you know what I mean? Like, can they tell, is, is there a, a bellwether type of pain that they get with these kind of issues versus um, other pain. So here's some critical points relating to that. So the reality is that people can't identify whether it's a muscle, a nerve, or a bone. That's just foolish nonsense. The answer is they think it's nerve because culturally they have been programmed to think it's nerve. So any pain they have, any numbness they have, any tingling they have, it must be a nerve. So you go to a neurologist. That's cultural. That's not medical. There's nothing even remotely accurate about that statement. One of the reasons I can tell you that is because there's a perception that only nerves refer symptoms. That's not true. Muscles refer symptoms. I'll give you the example. You're sleeping on your side. Your shoulder is being brought forward because of the fact that you don't have proper strength and stability of the muscles. And all of a sudden you wake up with tingling in your hands. How many people have that happen? Lots of people. They think that that's related to the cervical spine. No way. This muscle right here is called the infraspinatus. It's right here. That muscle, if you looked at a trigger point chart, would show that if you pressed on this, I could refer symptoms right down to your hand. Mm -hmm. 
So you could have a muscle refer even an altered sensation, tingling or numbness. So there's what people are thinking are all based on cultural predispositions that are set by the medical establishment because the medical establishment is to train to think that all symptoms are neurological. They come from the spine, right? I just did a Skype with a guy yesterday in Canada and he's telling me he has burning in his back and spasms in his back. And he goes to a pain, uh, pain management doctor and the guy would not acknowledge that as a valid symptom because the guy had never heard of that as a valid symptom. The actual doctor had never heard of that. Uh, I forgot what it's called when you regain these pain, you get pain again over and over again. There's a word for it and that's the word they use. So he says, no, you don't mean spasms and burning, you mean this word. And the guy's like, no, I think I know what I'm feeling. Right. And he couldn't get any benefit from the doctor's visit because the guy was unwilling to even acknowledge that this symptom he was feeling was a valid symptom that could be corroborated to a tissue. Burning and spasm relate to muscle. The inefficiency of the muscle causes excessive lactic acid to develop because it's working so hard, which lactic acid, you would imagine, would create a burning sensation. Right, the spasming right. is the inability of the muscle to support them because it wasn't at its proper length. So the, let me go back to the shoulder for a second. That yeah. was because of the tingling. So that wasn't pinching on something? No. That was literally, that's the thing. It's hard for people to accept this. Right. That was literally referred from the muscle. There are trigger point charts for innumerable yeah. muscles. Um, this one, this is interesting. The gluteus medius right here, this muscle can create pain along the entire lateral aspect of the thigh and the lower leg. Now, remember, that's different than sciatica, which comes from the butt and runs down the back of the leg. But I've had people who have had this symptom down the lateral aspect of the thigh and the, and the shin. And you have to be able to differentiate that as different than sciatica. They all were told it was sciatica, but it's not in the place where a sciatic symptom right. would have to be. Right. So I don't know how you can make that statement. But if you're educated and trained to say it, you say it. So basically what you're saying is there's no characteristic of pain, that muscle pain can be any type of pain. Like it can be- uh, Absolutely. Can be so uh, back to the, back, back to the, it needs to be diagnosed properly. Absolutely, um, absolutely. So real quickly, Mitch, what are the, just go through real quickly the, the ways that you, the, the steps you take, the, I think it was about seven different things that you sure. look at. I want to get to the exercises and I've got a couple questions. The questions are coming in. Okay. Um, so, sure. so, you know, what you're doing to what you're looking at for this. Okay. So if we're looking at anybody, let's say we're talking about a peripheral joint. Number one, you have to know if it's a structural cause or a muscular cause. So if you have a joint and someone's trying to convey to you that it's arthritis, a labral tear or a meniscal tear, or bone on bone, if you can move that joint through range of motion, whatever structural abnormality you're seeing is an independent variable because if it wasn't, you would have a limitation in motion. So the first thing I do is I look at motion. If you have motion, you're good. It has to be muscular. Then I could look at things like posture, um, palpation, which is really just touching, mm -hmm. is something that is beneficial because if I can bring on your symptom by touching a tissue, I know that's the tissue that's creating the symptom. So palpation, if it's muscular, Muscular causes actually create, posture is the culmination of the pulls of muscles and so is movement. So if I look at your posture, I can see variations. If I look at movement patterns, I can see variations. So those are the types of things that I'm looking at. It's 
it's range of motion, flexibility, muscle testing, um, functional testing, flex, um, postural testing, and palpation. Those are the primary ways that you'll establish a cause. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I'm trying to decide if I want to do the, the five points. Now I've got two questions here. Let's see if we can do real quick these two questions. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we'll go. All right. So from Barbie, mm -hmm. she has, and I read, uh, I have a tight area on my scalp behind my right ear, and sometimes mm -hmm. it causes a headache, which goes above and below the right eye. What causes that tightness? That is fantastic. Right here. Take a quick look at this right here. I'm going to answer your question. Look at this right here. This is called the upper trap, the upper trapezius. There's a point on the skull called the greater occipital protuberance. That muscle attaches to it. So if this poor gentleman has that forward head posture that we were talking about, mm -hmm. that muscle is trying to support his head too excessively. It's straining and it's pulling on what's known as periosteum, connective tissue that surrounds the skull. So if it's pulling right here, it can create pain anywhere. I will bet you he has a tension-based headache, yeah. which is highly unusual for people to diagnose. But if you've gone through all the structural testing and you make sure you don't have meningitis, cancer, a stroke, or any of that stuff, start thinking it might be um, a tension-based headache from improper posture. So this would definitely explain why he's having that. Okay. Actually, it was Barbie. Um, so, but again, it's, oh, even though it's a sharp or whatever and goes around to the right eye. And that, again, we're going to do some exercises later that should address that. Yeah, we'll actually be able to show how to make that go away. Okay, perfect. Hang in there, Barbie. All right, now I've got Anna asking, uh, what mu what muscles cause pain to present in my SI joints? And you'll have to define SI joints for everybody. Sure. Stabbing pain that refers to front hip bone runs down thighs and hips. Okay, so this question pertains to one of the greatest misdiagnoses that exists, SI joint dysfunction. She's trying to describe this point right here. This is called the SI joint. This is called the sacrum. This is your pelvis. And this is the iliac portion of the, of the pelvis. So the sacroiliac joint, SI joint, is the joint between the pelvis and the sacrum. It's where the pelvis joins to the axial skeleton. Okay. So if you actually had pain from the joint itself, then again, going back to the idea of a joint, you would have to have loss of range of motion. So I'm sorry, what was this woman's name? Anna. Anna. Anna, Anna. So quite simply, if you were to be able to, on the unaffected side, bring your knee to your chest and then spread your legs. If you could do that on the same side with the affected pain, where the pain is, you would see that your SI joints mobility is 100% intact. Therefore, it can't be the joint. What you want to understand is that there's a muscle that attaches here and goes directly here called the piriformis muscle. That actually passes the SI joint. So if she's having pain in her butt, the highest probability is it's from the um, from the piriformis muscle, which is only going to strain if the glute med on this side, the glute med strains first. So you could have this muscle cause pain. I forgot the other place. I think she said the front thigh. You said it was uh, runs down the hip bone, runs down thighs and hips. Yeah. So look, here's your hip joint. She has to first be able to identify that. Most likely it's actually above the hip joint because most people won't identify it. They're going to think this is their hip joint. So this muscle strains, the butt muscle strains, the piriformis, and in having difficulty in supporting herself from this, her quad, her front thigh muscle is now overworking. So all the symptoms is right. And my answer to Anna would be, if it was your SI joint, can someone explain how this point here creates pain here, here, and in the front thigh? Joints are only a structural variation in a joint is going to create pain in a joint. Everything she's describing ain't her joint. 
Right. It's clearly muscular. Okay. So again, unfortunately, it's kind of a wrong diagnosis and it's going to be hard for her to resolve that pain unless she gets that right diagnosis. All right. We're going to talk now about those five points. I've got a question from Dina. I'm going to say, Dina, hold on. Okay. Because in fact, okay. I think yeah. you're, you're talking about groin pain and stuff like that. We're going to talk now. Let's go through those five things. We'll come back to Dina and any other questions that people have. Mitch loves answering stump the doc. Oh my God. So uh, <laughs> I'm happy he is. <laughs> hey. All right. Add a look. Here's the gluteus medius. I'm going to literally show you right now how to strengthen that sucker. And if you do this, I'll bet you all those other symptoms go away. Here right, comes so a quick no, 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 Don't go over there. Come back. Come back. Come back. Oh, come back. Come back. All right, yes. Let's talk before we show the exercises. Yes. We're going to talk about what the five points are. Oh, okay. Okay. So we're going to talk about the five points, what they do, where they refer pain, like what pains they're involved with. Sure. Right? What, the, sure. what those points both do. So, and I know what the five are, so I'll prompt you on them. We'll talk about each of those. And then we'll go over and do some exercises. Okay. Okay. Right. Well, first one, glute med. You worked with me on this one. I've been working my little butt off and it's the most critical thing and has made a huge difference in my life about the glute med. We all know about our gluteus maximus. That's right. We'll get to it in a second, but glute, glute med is almost more critical in some ways. I, I want it to be made clear. Right. I am telling you, there is no more important muscle in the body than the gluteus medius. And the reason is, this is your pelvis. Everything you do is based on having a level pelvis. If your pelvis skews up or down, the distance the leg has to travel to the ground will be altered, which is where they talk about a leg length discrepancy. Forget the leg length discrepancy. It's your pelvis is skewed. Here's an interesting point. If that pelvis gets skewed, your spine is supposed to be perpendicular to that. If it gets skewed up like this, your spine's going to point this way. You're going to try to find your way back. Ladies and gentlemen, scoliosis is caused by a weak glute med. It is not a magical change in your spine. It is your spine's response to the fact that it's not vertical anymore, it's off to the side. Knee pain, if the glute med is weak, that knee's gonna jar in, you're gonna be weight-bearing through the inside portion of the knee, you're gonna end up with inside knee pain, probably from a strained hamstring. I just mentioned plantar fasciitis. You can get pain at the foot from this. Nothing is more important, up and down, this is the most important muscle in the body. If there was one exercise, one muscle I want exercise I want anyone to do and strengthen, it's hip abduction for the gluteus medius muscle. And yet, Mitch, this seems to be also one of the most common weak points in our body. By and far. That, and is that, again, since the 1980s when we started just sitting upright and sitting down because we sure. used to bend down and get up to pick to chop wood and, and put laundry out and wash the laundry and plow the fields, all those kind of functional multi whole body exercises. And we're not doing that. And this is this one in particular is not being attended to. This is probably the one I would describe as the, the anti-gravity muscle of all muscles. So you have to understand for any of the muscles of the leg, the, the quad, all the thigh muscles attached to the pelvis. So even if you want to use your quadricep motion for locomotion, the pelvis has to be locked in place for the quad to pull off of it. So this stabilizes it. But in terms of your ability to shift and move and do anything forward, back or side to side, you always must be stable. You always have, if you don't have a glute me and you try to step on this leg, this is just going to collapse. This is just going to go right down right. and you'll have no ability to stabilize yourself. So this has to be maintained level. So not only do they have to be strong in terms of your ability to weigh better on that leg, but for you to have a level pelvis so everything is working properly, these must be equal. Strength in both must be maintained equally. 
So in the old days, and I'm because this one's so important, I'm talking about it a little bit more. In yeah. the old days, what were the activities that that strengthened those and worked those muscles? That so yeah. Now? So so it wasn't, it wasn't so much that they were worked, but the way it works is that if you develop a certain like level of strength, you need to perform activity to sustain that level of strength. So I'm going to give you the classic example. What's the ultimate fear of an astronaut going to the space station? You can't come loss of muscle mass. No, you can't loss of muscle mass. By far, the most physical thing that they fear of is law. And they've now tried to develop squat machines and bicycles for that reason, because now what? They're anti gravity. Mm -hmm. So the lack of having to weight bear causes muscles to weaken. And you could try to strengthen them, but the longer you don't have that use, the more the muscle weakens. So, you know, I, when I was a kid, a high school kid, I worked in a stock room. And I had to go up ladders and I had to take the little, it was an electrical supply thing. So I'd have to take the pieces and then I have to come down and I have to box it. Do you ever see what Amazon's warehouse looks like? It's a bunch of little robots. Right, I'm sure. They pick the boxes up, they move it, they do everything. And there's some guy sitting there drinking a Coke, looking at a computer, making sure that the robots are doing everything. Right, That's right. what I'm talking about. Everything has become automated. Right. And so we're just... Again, we're not moving as much as we should, and we're we're moving. I'll call it in. We're not moving in in all directions. We're moving kind of front and back and up and down. And we're we're sitting like excessive periods of time. I it's, know. You don't it's, use your muscles, man. I still sit. Yeah. All right. So that's the glute med. Now let's talk about the glute maximus. Right. Okay. So we talked about this idea of everything is being done in front of you. So there are these muscles, and a lot of people have heard of this called the psoas muscles. Now, the psoas muscles attach from the lumbar spine and then actually attach down to this little point here. This is called the, this is the greater trochanter. This is the lesser trochanter. This is your hip joint. You can see this is your hip joint. So it's attaching from your back and your hip is actually slightly forward of the spine. So when it's attached in the inside, in the abdominal cavity from the lower back, the lumbar spine to the hip joint, it's running through your abdominal cavity forward. If it's to shorten, it's going to cause your back to be pulled forward into your stomach and you're going to see that excessive arch. And you're also going to see that you're going to have an arch and you're, you're going to have a forward center of mass. So my ear is now well in front of my feet. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's going to create a load, a load that has to be supported. Something in my back has to, so it's going to be my lower back muscles, my piriformises, my hamstrings, my calf. The gluteus maximus is the anti-muscle, the opposite muscle to the psoas muscle. So if you can create enough glute max strength, you're going to prevent that psoas from shortening and you're going to maintain that neutral, nice, comfortable posture of the back. The back, if you look at the back, when you bend forward, it starts in an arch it's actually supposed to reverse and become convex. Mm -hmm. If you have a shortened hip flexor, it cannot. And as a result of that, you're asking it to bend more than it should. That's what's going to strain the lower back muscles. Gotcha. So the glute max is the key for maintaining proper posture. You want to keep your ear over your hip, over your knee, over your ankle. You need to have a strong glute max. Okay. And then also the upper back stuff. Um, that's okay. That yeah, the upper yeah, back yeah, of the side. Yeah, we'll get there. We're doing, we're doing three on the bottom and two on the yes, top. Yes, that's right. Um, all right, hamstrings. Yes. So the hamstring is the posterior thigh muscle, and just like the gluteus maximus is the opposing muscle to the psoas, the hamstring is the opposing muscle to the quadriceps muscle. And like we said, the quads do everything for you, so you need to have a strong 
hamstring opposing muscle to prevent that quad from shortening and pulling. I am telling you right now, 90% of all cases of pain around the kneecap are from a shortened quad. I don't care what arthritis you've been told you have. I don't care how much meniscal tear you've been told is the cause. It's your quad is the cause of that. It's so short and it's pulling excessively on the kneecap. And it's because no one ever said that was the cause of your pain and that you needed to strengthen your opposing muscle. That's what has to be done. Um, and, and, and the purpose, just so people understand, the hamstring's responsibility when you kick out, the thing that stops you from kicking your leg off, decelerates your, your lower leg, is your hamstring. It has a major functional responsibility. Explain to me again, Mitch, you've said this before, but say it again, because I'm just not so smart. That's okay. Why, why does the muscle shorten? Versus oh, okay. Okay. If it was a stronger muscle, I would think it would, you know, it would dominate. It would get longer because there's nothing else holding it on back there. Uh, you, you said it, it does dominate in force. Okay. So let's think about this. Um, so here's my knee. Okay. The quadricep muscle does this. Right. The hamstring does this. It bends it. So if this was stronger than this, right, it's going to want to have a tendency to be straight. Right. Right. Because this is stronger. But why and is this is what it does. So when you go to bend your knee, remember, this has to now stretch. So if I stand up, if I could just show you this very quickly, what that would look like. So if I go to check, check my quadricep, everyone has seen people do this. Well, if this is not strong enough for this, how am I going to be able to do this? How does this bend? How does this stretch? How does it elongate to allow this to happen? Yeah, but it won't. But then, but then I, sorry, I'm not so smart. So when I stretch my quad, I'm shrinking my hamstring. So the weak hamstring, it just shrinks. The hamstring has to be stronger to prevent this from shortening so that you have full length. Oh, I see. Okay. So otherwise, without the hamstring to balance it out, that it naturally would want to contract. That's correct. So do muscles exactly. naturally want to contract? You never want, so uh, you got, you're going to get into something slightly technical, which is something called the length tension ratio, which I can describe very simply. And so a muscle creates its optimal force at its optimal length. And the length tension ratio says that if you start off and you're very, very short and you have very limited amount of force output, as the muscle lengthens, you start getting a maximal amount of force output. This is its maximal length. As you overstretch the muscle, it loses its ability to create force. So it's a bell curve. And so you're trying to get your muscle to be at its optimal length to create its optimal force. Too short or too long, it loses its ability to create force. And without, and without that balance, does it naturally want to um, shorten? Oh, the quad, absolutely. Every muscle, every muscle has an opposing muscle. So if we're looking at the upper body, think about your chest. Your chest is much stronger than these muscles here. So the reason everyone ends up kind of with that forward shoulder thing is because your chest generally becomes much stronger than the muscles between your shoulder blades. So of course, this is gonna shorten. That's why that happens. So the answer to having that forward head and hunched posture is you're gonna have to strengthen stuff in the back. And the funny part is, the funny thing relating to that is, um, so the chest and the biceps are called the beach muscles in weightlifting because when you're on the beach and you take your shirt off, you want everyone to look at the front of you. And so you got all these guys and they're in the, they're weightlifting and they're going crazy on the bench, crazy on the biceps. And they end up with these ridiculous postures and they're wondering, I don't understand. I'm trying to get strong. They never understood the idea of balance. They had to strengthen the muscles between the shoulder blades and the back of the arm and the triceps to match it. All right. And let's, uh, so speaking of the back, so those are the three 
the three bottom ones. Yes. Two two muscles on the top. Yes. For this head and neck and to balance again back to posture, right? Yes. You've got the lower trap and the rhomboids are the mid traps. Okay, so here's the biggest takeaway from this. This is called the neck by most people. <laughs> Everyone thinks that the neck is related to the cervical spine. This muscle right here is called the upper trap. There's the one that sits below it. This is called the levator scapula. For Latin, for elevate the shoulder blade. It attaches all the way up into the cervical spine, but on the bottom, it's attached to the shoulder blade. It's called levator scapula because it's related to shoulder function. So if you're having pain in your upper trap region, this area here, Never be willing to accept that that relates to the cervical spine. It is a shoulder and shoulder blade dysfunction issue because it's simply attached there. Okay. So let's just talk about a quick couple of things. Oh, I can't move my neck and I've got pain here. The reason is because let's talk about balance. This gigantic red muscle, that's your lower trap. This is above it. This is the upper trap of the levator scapular. If this is weak, what's going to happen? The muscle that's stronger will shorten. This is going to rise. Your ear and your shoulder will get closer, which means these shorten. If they shorten, how are they going to allow you to have range of motion of the neck? They're shortened. So your loss of range of motion, your pain isn't because there's some structural variation to the spine. The spine just allows the fulcrum for the muscles to pull off of. So the limitation isn't related to some structural variation of the fulcrum. It's that the muscles are so shortened. So if you want to get your range of motion back and resolve your neck pain, then you're going to have to see it as a shoulder area. And most likely you have weakness of your lower trapezius muscle. And hey, that's a big one. We're sitting at our desks and we're hunching and we're thumbing. Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to understand if you actually could see this, you would see these fibers are vertical. And the reason they're vertical is because they're going to pull down. And if my head's here and I take my shoulder blade and I pull down from the back, it's literally going to pull because of this attachment. It's going to pull my head back and up. Okay. One other point I want to make about this. You see this, this actually goes all the way down to the bottom of the rib cage, the thoracic spine, all the way down to the rib cage. Most people describe that as your back. That might be the mid back, if you will, or your thoracic spine region, but just realize that pain down there near that spine. Well, that's the lower trapezius muscle. Hate to tell you, Still related to shoulder dysfunction. It has nothing to do with your spine. Imagine this, from the rib cage to the skull, if you have pain in any of this area and you come to me, I'm going to tell you it's related to shoulder dysfunction. It has nothing to do with your spine. All of it. All right. Okay. Now we're going to do exercises that's going to strengthen. You're going to show us the glute med, the glute max, the hamstring, and then yep. the, um, the, the, the lower trap and the interscapular muscles was the other group. And right. that's this muscle right in here. That's between the spine and the shoulder blade. And those muscles oppose your pec. If you want to look nice and proud and for women, stick out your chest and be proud of yourselves and all that kind of thing, you better strengthen your mid traps and rhomboids because those are the muscles that are going to pull the shoulders back and open up this area. And by the way, I mean, there's actual systemic issues that relate to. So if you have that rounded shoulder posture, I hate to tell you, you're closing off your thoracic cavity. You're actually making it harder for yourself to breathe. Yeah. I mean, there are actual systemic benefits to all this stuff. So pulling the shoulders back increases the thoracic cavity area and actually allows things like breathing, everything else to work a lot better. Well, so even though, I mean, let's just, let's just clarify your comment about women sticking their chest out. Actually, when you have that strength, you're not necessarily sticking your boobs out. It's, it's, uh, yeah, no, I, <laughs> it's the shoulders kind of being down and back. 
Correct. It's, I didn't mean to say that you're actively sticking it out. I'm, <laughs> I'm saying it actually would appear that you are because now you don't just let's be clear. Posture is not conscious. It's subconscious. Right. So if you want to have that military posture, the way to do it is to strengthen the muscles responsible for it. This idea of constantly thinking about it will never work. There are certain practices that talk about changing your awareness of your body, of your posture. It's full hearted muscles, muscles determine posture. Yes. Okay. Okay. the camera and show them some exercises. Here we go. Let's go. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So this is going to be fun because I'm going to show you just how easy the quote unquote yasser size exercises are. So very briefly, let me just give you this idea. Yasser size exercise relate to performing an exercise for an individual muscle. Each muscle only moves one joint in one direction. So if you're doing any exercise by anyone telling you to do exercise and you're not moving one joint in one direction, you cannot be isolating a muscle. The other key component is if you want to make a muscle stronger, you're going to have to cause that muscle to, to increase, uh, to work against progressive resistance, which is to say that the resistance is constantly being added. It's getting harder and harder, which causes the muscle to adapt by making more muscle mass. Doing an exercise does not make you stronger. This is maybe the most important thing you can get about exercise. Doing exercises do not make you stronger. Exercises are mechanisms that allow you to isolate muscles. Progressive resistance causes the muscle to adapt and get stronger, which ultimately we're trying to get the force output of the muscle greater than the force requirement of your activities. That's how you're pain-free and fully functional. That's just a big concept. Okay, so here we go. I'm gonna show you hamstring curl. Hamstring curl first? Well, I, I think we could, we could do, all right, let's do, uh, what was the first thing I said? Hip abduction. Whichever one you want. Do hamstring, that's fine. You're set up okay. for it. Okay, so we're set up for it. So here's what we do. So I go get any kind of band that I can find, any way you want to get a band, Walmart or online or anything. I so put there's a way, hold on, let me just clarify for people because it's easier for you to say any kind of band. These oh. are, what, what are these called? If they go Google it on Amazon or whatever. Okay, so here's the important thing to understand. Band, resistant bands? Yeah, so let, let me be clear. These are resistance bands. These aren't resistance loops. Loops are very small. If you try to pull them at all, the resistance developed is going to be so great, you're going to have very little range of motion. These are not resistance tubes. These are flat bands. You can see it's flat. They're five or six feet long. So all I did was I took it and I tied a knot. So I have a knot with a loop. Then I'm taking it and I'm putting it in the door at about knee height. Okay, so now I'm set up. So I have my band now locked in to something. So I don't have, I don't need anyone to help me. I'm sitting in a chair. I put my foot in the band. I start with my knee slightly bent. I point my toes up, I put my hand on my knee, I'm leaning back, and all I'm doing is drawing my, my heel back, just hovering above the floor. I'm putting my hand on so I don't rise, and I just reach a point at which I reach 90 degree bend in my knee. And if you notice, one joint is moving in one direction. That is the hamstring creating knee flexion. I'm doing a three sets of 10 repetitions with a minute rest in between each set, and I'm trying to find an exertion level with the band so that I know that I'm working at a pretty hard level because if you're not going to put effort in, you're not going to get anything out of it. The other important thing to realize is that if you're not feeling the muscle working that you should, you're doing it wrong. Don't keep doing it. Right now, I can tell you I'm feeling a lot of a beginning of burning and I can feel this muscle working right here. So I know I'm doing this exercise correctly. Okay? Good. And while you're switching... Just let me say, so should people get an array of, because it comes in different strengths. 
and they start on the lowest one? Like, how do they know yes. the right amount of tension? Okay, so in terms of uh, the bands, I would suggest you always get like a pack of three because it'll come with three different levels of resistance. The way to identify whether you're using the right level of resistance isn't the color of the band, it's your exertion level. So we wanna be working at an exertion level of eight out of 10. If I said you were working at an, eight, an exertion level of eight out of 10, it would mean that if you did 10 repetitions and I said, you think you could do 11th or 12th, you would say maybe, but that would be pretty hard. That's the right level of resistance. So you're gonna stick with that level of resistance and your muscles are gonna adapt. You're gonna do it exactly this way and it's gonna get stronger. Eventually, you're gonna now find it much easier because your muscle made muscle. So I'm gonna say, do you think you could do a 15th or 16th one? And you're gonna say, I probably could have. That tells you you're at an exertion level of five, 50% of your maximum effort. At that point, that's when you're gonna to wanna to try to increase the resistance again. Bring it, either move away or shorten the loop, and you're gonna bring it up to an exertion level of eight. Stay at eight, go down to five, you hit five, Increase the resistance. That's what is known as progressive resistance. That's how you grow muscle. Okay, perfect. Okay. All right. How, how many times did you say this already? And I, I skipped it because I was double checking something. How many? How often should they do this? How often do they do this? You're only going to do this three times a week: Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. There's a day in between. Just understand that when you're doing this, you are not making muscle. You are creating micro tears in muscles. You're breaking muscle down your body will develop an inflammatory response. And over the next 24 to 48 hours, your body's gonna actually grow muscle. You never wanna strengthen during the inflammatory response. A common indication that you've done this well, you have a little bit of soreness. It's not the burning when you're doing the exercise, that's the great fallacy. Burning is an indication of lactic acid. You are not growing muscle if you're building lactic acid while you're doing the exercise. It's a little bit of soreness the day after. That's how you know this has been done correctly. And it's three sets of 10 repetitions with a minute rest in between each set. Okay, perfect. All right, next we're doing glute, what do you wanna do, glute meat or glute max? We'll do, we'll do hip, hip abduction. Okay. This is the home run ball. I think it was, her name was Anna. This is for her. Okay. So I'm gonna just tell you, if you've gone to a gym, people will put the loop around and they do this. Okay. That's worthless. Number one, because you're using one leg to try to stabilize the band while you're doing the other leg. That's incredibly inefficient. Secondly, you're going way too outside the range of motion for the hip, for the glute, the glute meat. So again, we're going to take this here. Going to put it here. Now watch this. I'm going to do it on an angle so you can see me. My feet are together. I'm using the chair just for balance, not for support. I'm gonna just bring my foot out far enough. If you can see my outer ankles and along with the outer portion of my hip, that's as far as I go. I put my foot down. I'm gonna now put all my weight on that leg as if I was gonna stand on it. And then I come back. So it's four steps, out, down, over, back, out, down, over, back. If you're doing this right, remember the picture? Here's my glute med. I start feeling a little burning. I can feel that muscle working right here. So I know I'm doing it correctly. Okay. Okay. And that's straight out to the side, not at any. I could, so I'm just trying to show it to you, but if I, if I was doing it, you'll see I'd be perpendicular to yep. the. Perfect. So I'm coming straight out. Yep. You just would have been harder for you to see me. Yep. Okay. So that's that. All right, Anna, get practicing. Okay. Here we go. Hip extension. 
So this is one of my faves because you can really do some damage on this one. You can really create a lot of force with this one. You might need to shorten the loop because we're gonna start, when you're doing this, your knee's gonna be fairly close to the door when you start. So I'm gonna maybe just make the loop a little small. Right. And let me just tell people, make sure when you put these in the doors, your door is closed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You want to be careful. You're doing it at the other end. You've got the bifold doors. When I do it, I put it in the side where the door closes, and you got to be sure that thing locks in place because you. I would, I would, and not just that, but if you're doing this to an entrance door to a room, lock the door, lock the lock, because <laughs> someone might accidentally come in not realizing you're doing it, yes. and you've got band in your face. Yeah. So it lock the door. Okay, so now we got a little smaller loop. I put my foot through. Okay, looking good. All right, so for this one, the way you started is I'm going to stick my butt back and I'm going to bend my knees. That's, if you notice, it drops me down. I hold on to the door or the door in the frame, right? I'm going to support my weight on the opposite leg. And you can see that my knee is still over my ankle. Now, here's the confusion. You look how far back I'm going. I'm only going back until my knee is straight pointed down or slightly behind it. Here's what everybody does. This crazy arching thing. And standing this is up. hip extension. Right. I don't want to see any motion of the lower back. I strictly want to see the hip. Well, look at this motion. Does, is my back moving at all? Nothing. It's just, just hip, the hip joints moving and it's, it's going back one joint, one direction by my butt muscle. Okay, so watch that range of motion. With all the exercise exercises, they're all precise in the range of motion you use. That's how exercise has to be. It's not ha haphazard. It's not just kind of generalized. Unfortunately, whether you're going into the medical field or you're going to a fitness area and you're getting exercise, exercise is perceived to be kind of general and kind of I'll do it kind of, and you know, unfortunately, a lot of people don't really understand the accurate nature of how to do this if you're trying to get one muscle. Remember, my whole premise is we're trying to isolate an individual muscle. Right. So you'll realize that, and Sarah would attest, you know, once you get the concept, it's good, but you, you have to be accurate in what you're doing and you have to concentrate. So Mitch, are these exercises, while you're setting up for the upper body ones? Yeah. Are these exercises that people will have to do for life? Great question. Um, although they yeah. might ease off on the frequency of it or something that. Right. So, I mean, this is going to sound corny, but I want people to think this as if they're eating their food in the morning or they're brushing their hair or they're brushing their teeth. Does anyone really like doing that? No, but it's a component of life. Right. If you're gonna to try to live in this world of technology and you're not gonna use your muscles, which in a sense sustain your strength, you better come up with an alternative for this or you're gonna be in pain for the rest of your life. I just treated a kid who's 21 years old. He's been in pain since he's 15. Wow. Six years this guy's been trying to find a way out and nobody has ever identified his problem as muscular. They kept saying it was a disc related issue. I treated him for one session. He wrote back to me. He's like, I can stand better. I slept. The guy's living, sleeping on the floor. He's sleeping on the floor because he can't find a comfortable place on his bed. Last night, he slept on his bed. 
Last night, he got up. He got up in the morning. He was able to walk. It was all dramatically better. One session, three exercises. And was that because he'd been injured or because he grew up as a kid that's sitting on his computer all day long? Uh, it's actually, he was, there's, there is the alternative to the, the, the sedentary life. There's the crazy kid, the crazy kid, the kid who played 3,000 sports. And right. remember, those are activities. Did he do isolated strengthening to make sure all the muscles required for the, those activities were strong enough? The answer is no. Right. Most kids don't. That's why there's such levels of adolescent injury. Emergency right. room visits skyrocketed right. when sports playing went up. Well, and also because they've got the young kids that are specializing in a sport. So yeah. they become, you know, at eight years old, they're playing three seasons of soccer. Exactly. Instead of playing soccer once and then basketball and then baseball and then, you know, just riding their bike and getting all around it. They're specializing way too young for these kids. And, and what you really see, even in adults, is a bifurcation of yeah. life. You get the people who are just, they think doing their work or whatever is enough and they're really not doing enough. And then you get the other person who says, I want to do CrossFit and I want to do, you know, 12,000 other things. And unfortunately, they're, they're, God bless them for wanting to do something, but they're thinking doing the activity, even if it's like a Pilates, a yoga, um, an aquatic therapy, any of those things, just recognize every one of those uses groups of muscles. Mm -hmm. And unless you know for sure that every one of those muscles are strong enough and balanced, right. you are going to sustain the strain. There will be a compensation. The body works that way. There's no right. choice. Okay. All right. Let's do the upper bodies. Yep, so it sounds tedious if I say this is a life sentence, but as long as we continue to live our lives like this, these exercises for the sake of your strength and your, and your feeling good should be a part of your regular routine. Just a very personal note. I started lifting weights at 26. I'm 59. I put 60 pounds of muscle on. I was 160 pounds. I'm not kidding. This is real. I'm 220 pounds right now. I lift more than most 20 or 30 year olds. Certainly for my, my body weight, I lift more than people who are 30 to 40 pounds more than me. I work in a nursing home and there's a 270 pound lady. And once we finish exercise, she has to lay down and I, you have to get a back. So the back of her head, the top of her head's at the top of the mattress, right? Usually they'll bring three to four people in. I don't got time for that. I get to the front of the headboard and I simply pull her up. 270 pound lady on a, on a, just a sheet. I pull her up and all she ever looks at me and says, God, you're strong. <laughs> I want to be that guy. And I want you to be that person. I want you to be like me. I'm living proof that strength gives you the ability to do what you want when you want. And you never have to fear injury. Yep. That's how you want to live your life. All right. Let's do these upper back. Upper Here we go. Lower trap. Yep. I'm sitting in a chair. I attach the band to the front, uh, in this case, the front left um, leg of the chair. This is in front of me. This is to the side of me. So this exercise is done halfway between. I start with my hand at eye level and I'm leaning back. I put this in my hand. Now I'm gonna start to bring my arm towards my ear until my upper arm is in line with my cheek. So I always describe it as eye to cheek, eye to cheek. And so all I'm doing is, this is called the plane of the scapula, that halfway between in front and the side. It's the place in which your arm bone moves the easiest in the shoulder joint. That's why it's so effective. And so that's it. It's just, a what, right? What do you see here? One right. joint, one direction. And tell me again, the, the band itself is under the-, the So it's just been, it's attached to the um, leg. Okay. Yeah. Got okay. it. Or they could, if they can't, they just could tie it on. You have that nice crossbar. Otherwise, they could put it, could they just put oh, it? Oh, it's, it's actually tied directly onto the leg itself. It's actually not on the crossbar. Oh, okay, fine. As you can see, it's actually just on the leg and itself. 
it's interesting, Mitch, because it's almost like you, you're doing it with bad posture. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Yeah. So people will say, oh, isn't this going to hurt my back? Yeah. If you always sit like that, it is. But here's, again, this is a unique understanding I have. If you're doing something in front of you, going back to lovely physics, for every force, there's an equal and opposing force. If I'm trying to pull up in front of me, what's the band trying to do? It's trying to pull me forward. If I pull up, that band's trying to suck me this way. So to offset that force, I lean back. Gotcha. So in this exercise, I'm leaning back. Now, in between my sets, yes, sit up. But while you're doing the exercise, you need to, as you get more and more resistance, trust me, it's going to want to try to pull you forward more and more. And the other thing is, make sure that you're not lifting with your arm. The only reason my arm's going up is because my shoulder blade is being pulled down my back. Yeah, so again, so, they're needing to, they should be feeling this right below their shoulder blade, right? That is correct. You should feel, so right now, my shoulder blade is against the back of the chair. So you should feel your shoulder blade going down my back. Right. You and should the, feel them rubbing the, against the chair. And the muscle that's getting, I'll call it fatigued, is right below that shoulder blade. That's right. Be feeling it. So if, they're not, right. if they're not feeling it there, then they need to kind of adjust themselves a little. That's bit. right. So if you're standing up too tall, you're going to be starting to work the front here. So if you're feeling that in the front of the arm, big mistake. You got to be leaning back when you're doing this, and you won't feel it here at all. Okay. okay. And again, someone just asked, just as a reminder, in terms of changing the resistance when they can't, if they can do a, a ten and eleven then they're on the right resistance. If they can do 15 reps, then it's time to go up to the next. That one. is correct. Yes. Okay. And if anyone's wondering, oh, are you saying you're going to keep progressing my resistance forever and ever? Just understand, life can be described by two forces. If you said to me, can I play tennis? Can I, you know, swim? Can I golf? Can I climb Mount Everest? I'm going to always say the same to you. Let's just look at two forces, and this is gonna tell you. If the force requirement of the activity is greater than the force output of your muscles, trust me, you're gonna have pain. If the force output of your muscles is greater than the force requirement of your activities, you're gonna do it, you're never gonna have a problem. Right. So if you're having pain, what is it telling you? Not go to the emergency room, not go to your doctor. If it's associated with activity, it must mean that the force requirement was greater than the force output of your muscles. You need to strengthen something. Don't keep doing it. Don't keep having pain. That's insane. Stop it. Do exercises. Progress the resistance one to two times. Then go back and do the activity. Guess what? You'll do the activity without pain. Because what did you do? You just brought your force output greater than your force requirement. And just one point I want to make to everybody about all those suffering and pain. For those who actually say that they have gotten relief from uh, of their pain through other methods that they've tried, I can assure you what happened was, this is where they were. They started with pain because the force output was less than the force requirement. You got two choices. You could either increase your force output, but you know what they did? They reduced the force requirement. They stopped living their lives. That 21-year-old kid stopped school, stopped any type of activity, and that was the only way he could see, not an elimination of his pain, but even a mild reduction in his pain. He gave up, and it was almost a year ago. That's what most, do not do that. Do not become a prisoner of this situation. You are not helpless. You have an ability to resolve your pain. You just need to know what tissue it is, and if it's muscle, how to strengthen the appropriate muscles. 
All right, let's do this last one because you and I are taking, we're having so much fun. We're going on and on and on. Sorry. No, that's okay. It's not you. I do the same thing because I, I get fascinated. Does everyone think I'm mildly passionate about this? <laughs> Just mildly. <laughs> it's a quest. This you know what, though? Quest. It's beautiful. Everyone should have that much passion about what they do every day, Mitch, honestly. Well, as I tell people about it, it seems like I've been chosen from this, from every bit of my personal life. Everything that's happened in my life has led me to this understanding. And it is an understanding that only I have. People have to understand. That's what makes this quite unique. This isn't in a curriculum. No one's going to tell you this stuff. Okay. Going to teach other people. All right. We need to get the camera up a little bit. Yep. Here we go. For, what, what this part is lat pull down. Lat pull down for the muscles between the shoulder blades, mid traps and rhomboids. Okay. So I'm sitting here. I'm going to grab. I made it not in the middle. And so I have two hand bands leaning slightly forward, starting to pull down. My, my thumbs are up. I'm starting to pull down until my elbows are in line with my shoulders and they don't go low, go below shoulder height. So none of this dropping. It's got to stay right here. And if you notice, my forearms are a continuum of the band. And so all that's happening is if you're doing this correctly, you're going to feel the shoulder blades squeezing together. Okay. Yep. And again, and no field. The, the muscles that are causing the shoulder blades to squeeze together are the rhomboids and mid traps. And again, and you're sitting up. So you're not, because sometimes people will bend forward and do a similar kind of exercise. Not only am I not just sitting up, I'm actually leaning back, leaning just back. like with the lower trap. And your head is kind of, is up. It's supported. It, it's neutral. The best thing to do is look at the band. Right. Look at the band as you're doing it. That'll put your head in a neutral push uh, posture. Okay. Yeah. Yes, perfect. Let's go back. Those are great. So everybody, those five, we're going to have this video on, uh, you know, don't forget, we'll have it on this Facebook. You can always come back to it. You can always come back to it on YouTube. Let's go back to Dina's question real quick. And then I will let everybody be free for the evening and go order the rubber bands. Okay. All right. Dina said um, that she gets a stretching pain in her groin area when she does a low lunge. Do you have any tips of what will be causing this? Um, well, anytime groin pain occurs, the highest probability is that it's from a muscle called the sartorius muscle. And that muscle attaches from the pelvis, runs through the groin, and that attaches to the, um, the inside of the knee. I will bet that when it's Dina, if she's doing that lunge, I'll bet you her knee is caving in as she's doing the lunge. And that's telling her that that glute meat is weak. And as a result of that, when that knee caves in, the distance between the knee and the inside pelvis shortens, allowing the sartorius to shorten and strain. So again, I hate to tell you, the pain's yeah, in the groin, the cause is in the outer portion of the pelvis. The gluteus medius is weak. Yeah, this glute med is so huge. I couldn't, when you you and I, a couple years ago, I was having the worst hip problems. Yeah. And strengthening that glute med made such an enormous difference. And just explain, you were having difficulty running. That was your passion, your love. I couldn't, I couldn't run, I couldn't get out of the bathtub. Right. I'll say to sit on the side and swing my legs because I couldn't swing my leg over the tub easily or over a bicycle. I couldn't like, yeah. I, oh, I remember the bicycle. Right. Get my, my leg right. over a bicycle. Yeah. yeah. That was crazy. Yeah. All right. Dr. Mitchell Yast, you and I could go on forever and ever. Everyone, <laughs> you want more information on Mitch, MitchellYast.com. And you do, you do um, video um, evaluation. So, yeah. So, so everybody knows you don't have to come to see me. I actually have been doing Zoom and Skype sessions for, five to six years. Um, it is a very easy and effective way of doing it. I've been doing this with people. I just did someone in Ottawa. 
Tomorrow I'm doing someone in Australia. It yes. works. Trust me. It's a very effective mechanism. It's incredible, right? And on our website, actually, Mitch did a blog for us for many years. So we've got a lot of great information on Bottom Line Inc.'s website. Yes. We, again, let me remind everybody about the pain download. So download that. We've got that. And next week, we're going to talk about stress and your skin, although it's going to be next Wednesday, not Thursday. So watch for the Facebook announcement so you'll be able to see it. Mitchell, thank you. You are so phenomenal and such a great education for everybody. Thank you for giving me the chance to spread the gospel. People need to know how to resolve their pain. Depression, hopelessness, and suicide doesn't have to be there. There's an answer to your problems. Fabulous. All right. We'll have you back again. All right. Great. All Thanks, right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. I'm talking to Dr. of Physical Therapy, Mitchell Yass, about the epidemic of misdiagnosis when it comes to the cause of pain in your back, your knees, your hips, and more. The danger of this is not just a wrong diagnosis, but wrong, expensive, and ineffective treatment, including surgery, which rarely works and is extremely risky. Giving readers access to expert, unbiased information from the world's top insiders is core to how our flagship publication, Bottom Line Personal, helps people do better and feel better. Mitchell is one of thousands of top experts who have appeared in Bottom Line Personal, not just in healthcare, but in all aspects of life including financial planning, great gift ideas, how to save money on travel, insurance snafus, smart tax strategies, improving your relationships, and so much more. Bottom Line Personal has been helping people lead more informed and vibrant lives for nearly 50 years with our actionable and double fact-checked advice. Subscribe today and get a free bonus book, Bottom Line's Best Bets, full of some of our experts' greatest tips of all time. Just go to bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast that's bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast.